Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, here to take your calls and texts on the air today. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible. If you've had uh, something come up in your Bible reading that you're curious about, that you'd like more information about, I'd love to discuss that with you and help you hopefully find some answers to those questions. Or if there's something going on in your life that you're wondering, you know, what does God's Word say about this? We'd love to discuss that with you. And if you have a prayer request, we'd love to pray for you and, um, and lift up those needs that you might have. I want to welcome all of those of you listening in Colorado and in Wyoming on Grace FM. I also want to say hello to everyone who's tuning in on our syndicated stations. We are syndicated on the East Coast on Hope FM in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland. And we are also syndicated on Truth FM in Tennessee and parts of North Carolina and Kentucky. So wherever you're tuning in from today, welcome. We're so glad that you tuned in. Uh, just a reminder that those listening on the East Coast and the area around Tennessee, you're hearing the program on a one-week delay. But we would still love to have you call in, and then you'll be able to tune in the next week and listen to yourself. But uh, don't let that hinder you from calling in. We'd love to hear from you, and uh, we'd love to take your calls, answer your questions. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or text us, 720-336-0897. Once again, that text line is 720-336-0897. We also want to say hello to everybody who has tuned in online. We know there's so many of you who listen on your, your mobile phones, mobile devices, and um, and over the internet and your browser. Just a reminder that if you don't have the Grace FM app, you should definitely go get it. Go to your app store on your uh, phone or your tablet. Just type in Grace FM in the search bar and it will come right up. And you download that and you can listen over the internet, wherever you're at, anywhere in the world. And you can also tune in anytime at gracefm.com. And it's always cool when we get the calls from people from who call from areas that are outside of our broadcast range. So we know that there are people who tune in online and over the internet. And we're so glad that you do. And we'd love to uh, talk with you. We'd love to pray with you. The number to call 
and that goes all the way to the end in chapter 16. So it's just been a really great, rich study of Romans. This past Sunday, we just finished studying Romans chapter 11. We were doing kind of a mini-series within our series. We're calling the whole series Saving Grace because that's what uh, the gospel is all about. It's about the saving grace of God. And then for chapters 9, 10, and 11, we did uh, one chapter a week, which is a little bit faster than we were taking the, the rest of the book, but we wanted to make sure that we took those three sections and went through them quickly enough that we could look at them as a whole, kind of not miss the forest for the trees type of idea. And uh, we looked at this section, we called it uh, understanding Israel, because that's what chapters 9, 10, and 11 are all about, is understanding what what is uh, the place of Israel in God's plan of salvation? Where do they stand in relation to God's grace and all those promises that were made to them in the Old Testament? How does that all apply now in uh, today's day and age? And does God have a plan for them in the future? Has God kind of cast them away or kind of canceled his promises to them since uh, by and large they have not received Jesus as the Messiah? And what does the future hold for them? So this past Sunday we, we looked at especially chapter 11, which talks about God's future plan for Israel. And uh, very exciting, very interesting stuff. And I think most of all, what's important about it is it's not just an area of like theological speculation or curiosity, but what what's really important about it is that it means that God is a promise-keeping God, that when he says he will do something, he will do it. And that's actually the whole point of Romans 9, 10, and 11. Uh, you know, in Romans chapter 8, there's this, great section that so many of us love like it says you know what can separate us from the love of God if he's you know chosen us and he's placed his love on us and he's going to see us through we can trust fully that he will see us through in our salvation he will never give up on us and it's very encouraging but then you know the question would be brought up well what about Israel weren't they his chosen people didn't he make promises to them and and then so how is it that they didn't receive Jesus as the Messiah and has God now cast them off? And these are the questions that he's dealing with in Romans 9, 10, and 11. And the big takeaway from it all is that you can indeed trust God's promises because he's a faithful God who keeps all of his promises. Sometimes, like in chapter 11, it doesn't, there's more to the story than what meets the eye. Like it, at first glance, you might appear, it might appear that things are one way, but it says there's actually a ton going on behind the scenes that you may not realize. And I think that's also encouraging for us, you know, because in whatever situation you're facing today, you know, there are the things that you see and the things that you feel and the things that you experience. But there's oftentimes, and we see this so many times through scripture, there's oftentimes so much more going on behind the scenes that you can't see in the area of God's providence, the unseen hand of God and how he's working out situations and, and how he's directing things. And so rather than walking by, by sight, we have to walk by faith, which means that we, d we trust in the promises of God, even though in the moment sometimes we may not feel them, we may not feel that things are, are going that way, but uh, we walk by faith and not by sight. So that's just a little bit of what, what we've been studying at our church in Longmont uh, at Whitefields Community Church. And this coming Sunday, we're going to move into this great section in Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 1, where it says, I appeal to you, therefore, in other words, based on everything we've talked about so far in the gospel and God's faithfulness, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. And don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by the test by testing you may discern what is the 
will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So we're going to study that this coming Sunday. We'd love to have you join us. If you're in the Longmont area, come visit us, come worship with us. Whitefields Community Church, we meet at Sunday on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at 700 Longs Peak Avenue in Longmont, Colorado. That's the, at, we meet at the St. Vrain Memorial Building, if any of you here in Longmont are familiar with that. It's right just one block west of Main Street on Longs Peak Avenue in downtown Longmont. So uh, it's the corner of Longs Peak and Kaufman, just one block west of Main Street, northwest corner of Longs Peak and Kaufman. And we're right on the edge of Roosevelt Park, which is the city park here in Longmont. You can find more information, get directions, listen to past messages, all that great stuff at our website, whitefieldschurch.com. That's whitefieldschurch.com. And you can also hear our past messages here on Grace FM every weekday at 2.30 and Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. So we'd love to uh, connect with you if you're in the Longmont area. Please do that. Let's go to line two where we've got uh, Todd in Aurora, Colorado. Hey, Todd, welcome to the program. How you doing? Doing great. What's up? Okay, so I have a quick question. This is odd. I've never heard this teaching anywhere or... I've never heard of actually uh, when I was meditating on the word. I thought well, I came up with Christ. Is that what cleanses us? Yeah. So you cut out on me there. Can you repeat that? What? Oh, you're cutting out on me. Um, I think you're. What you're asking is, does Christ's blood cleanse us? Is that your question? No, is no, is the blood of Christ in the Word of God? You mean, is it contained within the Word of God? Yes. Um, yeah, you know, I'm not really sure how you got to that conclusion. I, I think that the blood of Christ, you know, there are a few things the Bible says about the blood. It says that life is in the blood, and so there's this whole symbolic aspect of uh, blood representing life. And so Jesus' blood represents his life that he gave for us so that we could receive new life in him. So when we take communion, that's one of the things that it represents is that we are, we are right. being infused with his life, so to say. Um, but as far as does the blood of Christ, is it contained within the word of God? I, I mm -hmm. just don't, I don't have any scripture that would back that up. Does it, uh, sound, okay. so, it sounds to me like you said you were meditating and this is kind of what came to you. Oh, well, yeah. Mean? Well, what is, yeah, because, like, when I'm reading the Word of God, it's renewing my, it's, like, doing a washing, but I'm thinking, yeah. you know, if I was to read a novel, it doesn't do the same thing. You know, yeah, it doesn't, true. it doesn't build me up, it, but the Word of God's doing, it actually does something to me, mm -hmm. you know, builds me up and fills me with the Holy Spirit, and I'm thinking, well, what's the difference between reading a novel, you know, or reading, and reading the Bible, there's, it's like two different worlds. If you if if you are born again, um, yeah. yeah, absolutely. So, I... so the word of God has the power of God with it. I just don't know if I would go so far as to say that the blood of Christ is contained in the word. That seems a bit maybe mystical and and not really backed up with Scripture. What I what I would tell you is okay. that okay. Ephesians five does talk about that that the the word of God has a washing and cleansing effect. It says. Uh, it talks about husbands and wives, but it applies to everybody, right? It says cleansing her with the uh, washing okay. of of water with mm. the word, okay. And um, and that this is what presents us in um, 
blameless and without spot and wrinkle. And and the other verse that I just read, I was mentioning what, what we're going to be studying this coming Sunday at our church. And I mentioned uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 2, which also alludes to a very similar thing. It says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern the, the perfect will of God. So the idea there is that uh, as we read the word of God, as we meditate on it, as it washes our minds, it is um, renewing our minds. Now, there's, there's okay. a little bit different sense in which the blood of Jesus cleanses us. It cleanses well, us there, and, and another, from all Another reason I, I, I kind of go towards that again, because in First Peter it says the sprinkling of blood. Now, what does that mean? So that is a reference back to the Old Testament and uh, the Old Testament ah. picture where they would use blood to atone for sin. And that, of course, was a foreshadowing of Jesus and what he would do. But it's talking oh, okay. about what they would do is they sprinkle the blood of the sacrifice onto the altar and, and even sometimes onto the people themselves. And that, that's that whole idea that atonement is made through the shedding of blood. And so in order for your sins to be atoned for, without you taking the judgment for it, someone else has to die in your place and their blood is shed on your behalf. And so it's, it's referring to that, but the effect of that would be a spiritual cleansing. It would be cleansing you from all unrighteousness is how oh, First John okay, would say. Okay. And, and so okay. what that's saying, yeah. So we're cleansed in that way by the blood of Jesus. It seems to me the word of God is like water, which cleanses us from, you know, the, the filth and the mess of this world. Okay, my friend Frank was actually trying to tell me all that, like whatever anything I was saying to him the other day. Uh, he um, basically just said that that sounds a little mystical. That's not in the word, and it kind of like you know. I was like, well, I need to call Grace FM and ask what what they because I no one's ever told me that you know the blood is in the word at all. But I just thought it was since you know the blood is so powerful. I thought it was it would be in the word. So I don't know. Anyways. Thank well, it sounds to me like you're on the right track, man. God bless you. Keep reading All the right. word. Yeah. All right, bye-bye. All right, thanks. Bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. We've got two open lines. The number to call, 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to Bianca in Aurora, Colorado. Hi, Bianca. Welcome to the program. Hi, how are you doing? Doing great. What's up? Well, it's interesting how you mentioned um, what you've been teaching on these past few weeks because it does have to do with my prayer request I have. Um, it's for an unsaved friend that I have. I'm not going to mention her name because I yeah, want to protect her identity sure. and all that, but but she's kind of one of those hard-to-talk-to people because of, I don't know if it's the way she was brought up or I don't know, but I know at one point I talked to her and she said that when she was on her way back home on the at the bus stop back home from the doctor's appointment someone tried to tell her about Jesus I guess or maybe they just did it the wrong way but I 
think she knows that I'm a believer because otherwise she wouldn't have told me this, but just pray that the Lord would soften her heart because I'm really concerned for her salvation. Yeah, absolutely. Let's do that. <laughs> Heavenly Father, we pray for Bianca's friend here and um, thank you that Bianca's in her life and that this, this friend of hers knows that Bianca's a believer and is willing to talk about these things with her and, e and even something which she perceived as a bad experience. Lord, I pray that um, you would use Bianca in this person's life and we pray, Lord, that you would open uh, open blind eyes and soften a hard heart that this person might have uh, in the in regard to the gospel. Lord, we pray that they would have a soft heart towards you and that they would receive uh, the gospel, that truly they would be saved and that they would know you and walk with you and that their life would be transformed as a result. So Lord, we pray that you would do a saving work in this friend's life. And Lord, as we're praying for her, we also think of others out there. I'm sure there's so many listeners right now who can think of someone um, who they would love to see come to know you and they would love to be used in that person's life by you. And so, Lord, we pray for all of these situations out there. We pray that you would do a good work and that you would use your people and that you would work in the lives of these individuals so that they might know you and they might be saved. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You bet, Bianca. God bless you. Bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. Looks like we've got two open lines. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Give us a call uh, again the, that, that, at that number or text us at 720-336-0897. Again, the text line is 720 Nine seven. Um, let's go over to some text messages that have come in, uh, and they're actually related to Todd's question about the blood of Christ. And so we have one question, um, which is from Leviticus 16. The person is asking, "What is the significance of the scapegoat that is sent away into the desert after the sins of the people are put on it? And does that mean that Jesus is the scapegoat?" for sin. And uh, yes, absolutely, it means that Jesus is the scapegoat for sin. Let's go to that text where that is found. That is found in Leviticus chapter 16. And so it's, um, it's found in Leviticus chapter 16, and it's found as part of the instructions for the, the people of Israel regarding the Day of Atonement. This is uh, called Yom Kippur. So maybe you've heard of Yom Kippur. That means literally the Day of Atonement. And historically, the way that Yom Kippur was celebrated is, is different than the way it's celebrated today. And the reason for that is because there is not an active uh, temple and priesthood working at this time. Now, some people speculate that that could be uh, something that will happen in the future. But uh, Yom Kippur nowadays is celebrated differently. Historically, though, in what the, the Torah, the five books of Moses, the first couple of books of the Bible, what they um, prescribe that needs to happen on the Day of Atonement in order for the sins of the people to be atoned for is that they would take a goat called the scapegoat and they would um, first, they would take, well, two goats, right? So they take two male goats. And so you'd have the one who would be sacrificed for the sins of, of the people they they would be slaughtered but the other one the one would be brought before the people 
and they would place hands on the goat and they would uh, confess over it. This is what the text said. They would confess over it all the wickedness and rebellion of the Israelites and all their sins. And they would put their sins, kind of transferring their sins onto the goat. And then he would be sent away into the wilderness and um, and the goat would go off into a remote place and be released into the wilderness. And so the idea was that as the goat went away from the community of Israel and the people, that they were carrying the people's sins away. And so this is a foreshadowing of Jesus. Like we have uh, when Jesus comes on the scene, you know, uh, it says that John the Baptist looked at him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And that's interesting because it was a scapegoat in the Old Testament who would take away the sins of Israel. But there were also times when a lamb would be given as a substitutionary sacrifice, like, for example, at Passover. And so um, you might remember that what we were celebrating at Passover was that God, uh, the, the lamb took the place of the firstborn son so that the the angel of death would pass over that house. That's what happened during the first Passover. Now, what happens, though, with Jesus is that the Lamb of God comes. He dies in our place, similar to Passover, but similar to the scapegoat. He's also the one who carries away or takes away the sins of the people out into exile. And so um, is is the uh, is this a picture of Jesus? Yeah, absolutely. It's a picture of Jesus. It's one of the many pictures of Jesus, which, of course, we don't get the whole, a perfect picture until Jesus himself comes. We get all of these foreshadowings. And it's interesting that it says in Hebrews chapter 10, it says the law, meaning the Old Testament law, is a foreshadowing of the good things that were to come, but not the realities themselves. And so it says there in Hebrews uh, 10 that for this reason it can never, meaning the, the law, the law can never, by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year, it can never make perfect those who draw near to worship. Those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins. In other words, the Old Testament law and all that stuff, it was to be a reminder of the sins of the people to tell them that they need a Savior who will come and take away their sins once and for all. And it says, it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. We have been made holy through the sacrifice of the blood of Jesus once and for all. And so the scapegoat in the Old Testament um, was a, a foreshadowing of who Jesus would be and what he would do, that he would be the one on whom the sins of the people would be placed, and then he would go out into the wilderness, you might say, as the you know Apostles' Creed tells us that he descended into hell and then rose again on the third day. And so he carried away our uh, sins. It says, here's uh, Isaiah 53. Think about what Isaiah 53 says about it. It says, we all like sin sheep, I'm sorry, we all like sheep have gone astray, each of us has turned to his own way. And check this part out. The Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. That's speaking of Jesus. And so that's that same picture of the scapegoat, that the iniquity, the sin of the people were laid on him. And, and that's what has happened to us. In the same way, you know, another thing that I always remember about Jesus, he was crucified outside the city gates. And again, there's that picture of the scapegoat being sent out of the community outside taking the sins of the people and bearing them outside 
the community. He bore the sins of many, and it says there in Isaiah 53, he made intercession for transgressors. And so Jesus embodied what the scapegoat represented, the removal of sin uh, from those who have sinned. So I hope that answers your question. Great question, though. And I love talking about those Old Testament pictures of, um, of Jesus. So great stuff. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. This is a show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or your prayer requests or things going on in your life. We'd love to hear from you. Two open lines. The number to call is 303-690-3000. It's 303-690-3000. Or text us, 720-336-0897. Let's go to Penny in Maryland. Hi, Penny. Welcome to the program. Thank you. I have a question. Well, I guess a comment. Maybe you could clear clear it up for me. In Isaiah forty five seven, when you say, "I formed the light and created evil," I, the Lord, do all these things. Um, I'm thinking if God created evil and He is love, and I'm I'm, I'm just kind of twisted. How, yeah. how can yeah? And and I'm thinking about Job when he went through all what he been through. But God allowed Satan to mess with Job, and then I'm just kind of conflictual on this. So yeah, I just absolutely. Need to get so can, can I ask you there. what what translation you're reading in? Um, King James. King James. You know the thing that's difficult about that you're reading the Old King James. Yes, King okay. James. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, actually, I'm reading the King James right now too, and it doesn't say, "Oh, I make peace and create evil." Yeah, I see that. Um, okay, so here's how other uh, translations translate that. It says, uh, like, for example, I'm reading the ESV. It says this, uh, you know, I form light and create darkness. I make well-being and create calamity. And so what we should do, and I, I can do this right now while we're talking, is we want to go back and we want to look at what what does the original text say? Does it say evil or does it say uh, calamity, and it looks like all translations since the old King James have translated something else other than evil. In other words, they say, here's one who says, Christian Standard Bible, says, I form light and I create darkness, I make success and I create disaster. And mm-hmm. so I think your question still remains valid, but I would just want you to know that, you know, we, we have to take what one part of the Bible says and interpret it in light of what the rest of the Bible says as well. And the uh, Bible makes it very clear that God is not the author of evil, right? That he is, oh. not the, he is not the source of evil in the world. He is the source of light and good. Now, there is a verse in Job that I've always thought about a lot. And, you know, I went through a very hard time once with uh, one of my kids, you know, almost dying. And I remember reading this oh. verse in Job 2.10 where he says, Shall we receive good from the Lord? And shall we not also receive calamity? And, um, and I thought that was just an interesting verse. In other words, what he's saying is, like you're saying with Job, the, if God is sovereign, then he could stop calamity, right? Like he could stop Correct. disaster. And yet he doesn't. And what we have to choose, you know, and so this has been sometimes called um, a, a problem in the sense of it, there's these three things. And um, it's called a, triotomy i believe is what it's called as opposed to a dichotomy so it's a trichotomy mm-hmm. and so what it means mm-hmm. is this think about these three things god is all powerful god is loving mm-hmm. and evil exists and people look at those three things and they say 
Well, those three things cannot fit together, right? Because if God is mm-hmm. all-powerful mm-hmm. and God is loving, then that means mm-hmm. that God could stop evil, but he doesn't. And therefore, I guess God isn't all-powerful. Or they would say, either God's all-powerful and yet he doesn't stop evil. That means that he's not all-loving. But what mm-hmm. I always point out in this case is that this is actually, let's call it a, uh, let's actually say it's not a um, dilemma or a trilemma. Let's call it a quadrilemma. And the quadrilemma would be God's not only all loving, God's not only all, all powerful and, and uh, evil exists, but here's the other thing. God is all knowing. So you know what? Mm-hmm. I'm going to come back to you right after a break. We're going to go to a two-minute break. If you don't mind holding on, we can oh, keep no, on the other side. All right. God bless you. We'll, we'll be right back. Uh, Calvary Live, give us a call, 303-690-3000. We'll be right back after the break. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Welcome back to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible, questions uh, have about things that have come up in your life. And um, we'd love to pray for your prayer requests as well. Give us a call, 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or text us, 720-336-0897. Let's go ahead and go back to Penny in Maryland. We were talking to Penny right before the break. Hey, Penny, thanks for holding through the break. Hi. Uh, and I also want to say that I made a mistake. It was not the King James Version with the um, revised version. Oh, it was a revised? Like a revised Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I have okay. written it down. But when you were saying about the quad, the powerful, yeah, you know, all-powerful, you know, loving, and evil exists in no one. Okay. Right. Yeah. So here, here's what I was saying. I actually called it the wrong thing. So I, I had time to think about oh. it. Um, so it's called, you think about a dilemma is when you have two things that are opposed to each other. Now, a trilemma is when you have three things which can't fit together. Mm-hmm. People of, often said, you know, the problem with Christianity is if God is all powerful and God is loving, then and evil exists, those three things can't fit together. But I would mm-hmm. say... And lots of Christian theologians and thinkers would say this. Well, okay, let's not stay with trilemma because all you're doing is you're saying that God only has two attributes. He's all-powerful and he's loving. Well, certainly God has much more than two attributes, right? So God has lots of attributes. So let's add another attribute to God. So not only is he all-powerful, not only is he all-loving, but he's Mm all-knowing. And and let's add another one. He's all um he's omnis or sorry he's omnipresent he's everywhere at all times meaning he's okay. outside of time and history so let's mm-hmm. add we consider all of those attributes of god and then let's consider also the truth that evil does indeed exist in the world and what we see in that case is that um not only is god all powerful all loving he's also all knowing which means he knows stuff that we don't know and he's outside of time and, and, and space and history. And so he's able to see all things as one whole. And, and I think that we would all agree that there are times in which things which are bad, God uses them for good. We see that throughout the Bible. Yeah. And so uh, could it be that God loves us 
and he chooses to allow sometimes bad things to happen in our lives. He chooses to allow calamity and disaster, as that Isaiah 45 says it, um, actually because he loves us and because he is working out a, a very good plan. And I would say, not only is that possible, but that's exactly mm. what the Bible teaches um, mm. in the story okay. of Job. In, in Romans that's a hard pill eight. to swallow, though, but yes, I, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> it <laughs> is a hard all pill knowing. to swallow. He's all-knowing. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. you know what? I would point you towards the story of Joseph in the Old Testament. Oh, yeah. It's one of my favorite stories, and I'll tell you why. And if, and if you got to go, feel free to go, and I'll just riff on this on, no, off the no, air. Listen, but, no. Okay, cool. This yeah. So um, here's a story about Joseph. And man, I could go on about this for a while. I have to stop myself because I love this story. Here's, here's what's crazy about the story of Joseph. It takes up one quarter of the book of Genesis. Okay. So one quarter of the book of Genesis, like creation gets two chapters. Joseph gets, um, you know, 14 chapters, I think. So mm -hmm. or 13 chapters. Now here's the other thing throughout the book of Genesis, the whole book starts with this whole discussion of, you know, God creating everything out of nothing. God speaks. In other words, there's a lot of miraculous things happening, supernatural things. God speaks. Mm -hmm. Then we see God keeps appearing and showing up and doing all these things. And then we yeah. get to the story of Joseph and all of that stops. In fact, in chapter 37, the, first, the main chapter of Joseph's story, God's mm -hmm. name chapter isn't 47. even mentioned. Yeah, God's name isn't even mentioned. And that's mm -hmm. surprising uh, not only because this is the Bible, but it's surprising because here in chapters 37, a lot of really, really bad things happen to Joseph, like getting beat up and stripped mm -hmm. of your clothes and thrown in a pit and sold into slavery. Those are some really mm -hmm. bad things, right? And it, it answers yeah. the question kind of implicitly with giving us a story. I mean, isn't this the question that people ask? Where is God mm -hmm. when right. bad things happen? And mm -hmm. in chapter 37, it seems like God is absent. His name isn't even mentioned. We, we're told at one point that Joseph cries out for help and no mm -hmm. help arrives. And yet, then we see that not that's not even the end of his story, right? Like he goes mm -hmm. on and for 20 years, basically, Joseph suffers. He's sold into slavery. He's beat up, betrayed by his brothers. He gets into mm -hmm. slavery. Then he gets lied about. And, yeah. and then, he gets, uh, then he gets lied about. He gets uh, put in prison wrongfully. Yeah. Then even the person in prison who's supposed to help him out forgets to help him out and yes. just leaves him yeah. hanging dry. And you're wondering, where is God in all of this? And then finally, at the end of the story, you get the conclusion. Chapter 50, Joseph says, you know, everything that happened to me that was meant for evil, people meant evil against me. Mm -hmm. God used it for God good, good and mm -hmm. for the salvation of many people. So think about this. If those things hadn't happened... Joseph himself would have died in a famine. And mm -hmm. if it hadn't happened, all those other people, hundreds of thousands of other people in Egypt and in the surrounding countries would have also died. And remember, Joseph in that family line is the family line that leads to Jesus. Mm -hmm. In other mm -hmm. words, we don't get saved either. And so mm -hmm. God used this miraculous plan. When it seemed that God was completely absent, he was actually doing his most profound work behind the scenes. And by allowing these bad things to happen to Joseph, he was actually, it was actually a huge blessing. Um, That's in the awesome. That's awesome. So I could use my, my own personal testimony and mm -hmm. things that happened to me. And I can, what, what I don't like, what I don't, evil thing may happen to me, but it meant for God. 
what the, what the enemy meant for evil, God meant for good, even in my own personal life, which yeah. I don't understand some things that happened, but to the end, I know God got his hands on it. And you know, that's everything the, go that's, back to glorifying God. And that's the Romans eight twenty eight thing, right? Which is that we know right. that all things work right. together for the good Works of together. those who love him and are called according mm-hmm. to his purposes. Doesn't mean that all things are good. Lots of things are mm-hmm. not good. Right. But he uses even bad things for his good. That's his glory. Mm-hmm. Well, you broke that down really well for me. I, and I wrote everything down, what you said about the choir. You know, he's all-powerful, he's loving, and um, he, he, he exists. And he's all-knowing, and he's omnipresent. So that's definitely um, a why it's opening my eyes. I appreciate that. Awesome, Penny. God bless you. Thanks for calling All right. In. God bless you. Bye-bye. Right, bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air. Looks like we have a follow-up question with Dan in Parker, Colorado. Hey, Dan, welcome to the show. Hello. Hey, how you doing? Doing great. What's up? Um, you guys were just talking about how can you have evil with an all-loving and caring God. Mm-hmm. But the way I kind of view it is God gave us all free will, and when he made the choice to give us free will, we could either choose to be good or choose to be evil. Well, and he's not going to impinge his will on my will, because he gave me free will. So he has to be able to allow me to be evil if I want to be evil. So I guess that's how I could see evil in the world. It's because of free will. Yeah, you know, Dan, I get where you're coming from. I think that sometimes people overplay the free will card. I mean, just, you know, from a historical, philosophical perspective, you know, free will, you can imply it from the Bible, but it's not actually taught directly in the Bible. That's a concept, too, that we get from a lot of philosophy and things like that. And I, I guess I just say, while I agree with you, the Bible would rather put it in terms of human responsibility and human choice. Um, I just... I kind of balk at that term free will because I know that it comes from more from enlightenment philosophical thinking than it does from the Bible. So here's the other thing. There are examples of times when God does override people's will. And so I see sometimes people will say, you know, God's a complete gentleman. He'll never, uh, he'll never uh, override a person's will. But there are times when he, um, I don't know if he overrides their will so much as he doesn't just say, okay, like, okay, however you want to do it, you just do your thing. You be you, right? Like, I, I think about Paul the Apostle. He's he's on his way to persecute Christians. He is not looking for Jesus. If he's left to his own free will, Paul is going to kill Christians. That is his free will. And yet but God he shows is killing up. him in the name of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and J- Jacob, though. So he's still killing him in the name of the right God. His, yeah. Okay, I'm not sure where you're going with that, but I just want to say this, that when Jesus shows up and uh, knocks Paul down, it wasn't because Paul was looking for God. It was because um, God was looking for Paul. And I guess that's just my point is to say, uh, I don't disagree with what you're saying fully, except for in the point that God doesn't, I don't, I think that when people say, and maybe this isn't what you're saying, maybe this is just my own sensitivity to it. But when, when people say this thing like that, oh, you know, God's a perfect gentleman and he'll never, you know, if you want to do your thing, he'll just say, okay, okay, but is that, that's not totally true in the Bible. Like God sometimes pursues people a lot of times who aren't pursuing him. So yeah, like Jonah, he swallowed him in a well and eventually got him to do what he wanted him to. 
Exactly. Um, and but like, no, but I, I, was, I was just, I guess, more or less inferring that if we did not have free will, then we would not have evil. But having free will is where evil can come into play. Sure. Yeah, clearly there's a choice involved. And, and like I, I mentioned, I just taught Romans 9 through 11. And he, it's really interesting how he plays those two things off of each other. He says, he, basically he's asking a question in chapter 9, why has Israel not uh, recognized Jesus as the Messiah? And in chapter 9, he answers it by saying, it's because of the sovereign plan of God. And in chapter 10, he says, and it's also because they made the choice not to receive God's grace. And so there's this idea of divine sovereignty and human responsibility, and those two work together. And as Paul thinks about it, he finally just kind of breaks down and erupts in worship and says, wow, God, your ways are inscrutable and they're beyond my grasping. But hey, Dan, I, I appreciate the thoughts about uh, evil. And, and I do agree yeah. with you. Like when, when evil happens, the Bible makes it clear that human beings are responsible for evil, not God. Right. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, you bet. God bless you. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. All lines are now open, so give us a call. The number is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. Again, that text line is 720-336-0897. Two things I want to tell you about before we go on to, well, we're waiting for callers to call in, but we've got a few text messages. But in the meantime, let me take the opportunity and tell you about something cool happening. I, I've told you over the past couple months about a group that I'm involved with uh, called the Expositors Collective. This is a group of pastors spread out uh, around the U.S. and a couple even abroad who are involved in a in organizing these intentional training seminars for people who are interested in growing as um, preachers or teachers or becoming that. Maybe you feel a calling on God's uh, calling from God on your life to be a preacher or teacher. And specifically, this is limited to people ages 18 to 34. So this is uh, the idea is people who are young might feel a calling on their life. They want to get some tools in their toolbox to help them become a uh, better preacher and teacher of God's word and it's open to men and women because we know that there are ladies teaching in lots of different capacities in in the church and we want to help help you do that well also so the expositors collective we did our first event in March out in Southern California we did our second event in July in Aurora we did it at Calvary Aurora and um, and now we're going to be doing our third event this year we just started this year, 2018, and we're, we're doing our third event. They've just been really well attended, and we've had so many requests from people in different parts of the country. So we've already got next year's lineup. We're, we're going to be in San Diego in the spring, and we're going to be in New York City in the fall. But for this year, we're doing the Southeast November 30th and December 1st. So I know that some of you listening are listening in Tennessee. Some of you are on the East Coast. But you know what? Others of you, like right now, it's really cold here in Colorado. I'm uh, looking forward to going somewhere warm, you know, uh, in December. So if if you are interested in growing in those things, check it out online, expositorscollective.com. That's expositorscollective.com. And our next event is in Bradenton, Florida, which is just south of Tampa. And it is on November 30th and December 1st. It's open to anybody ages 18 to 34. And, uh, you know, in our past events, because they're kind of regional, we have a lot of people who fly in. And so maybe you're even listening here in Colorado and you're like, I want to 
go to that. I couldn't make the one in Aurora. Well, then fly out. We'd love to have you in uh, Tampa, Florida, November 30th and December 1st for the next Expositors Collective. And the other thing, while I've got you here, let me just take the opportunity to invite those of you in the Longmont, Colorado area to join us for church on Sunday at the church I pastor. It's called Whitefields Community Church. It's in downtown Longmont. And for directions, more information, check us out online, whitefieldschurch.com. Again, whitefieldschurch.com. We meet at 10 a.m. on Sunday morning. Whitefields Community Church, we'd love to have you join us. Let's go back over to our text line. Looks like we had some calls, but uh, let's um, wait for those. And let's go back over to our text line. We have one texter who asks the question, what is the purpose of communion? How often should a Christian have communion? Is it okay for a Christian to have communion alone, or is it a celebration meant to be recognized with the whole church? So what is communion? Communion is one of the two sacraments, which are kind of like holy ordinances, holy acts, which was ordained by Jesus himself. So Jesus himself gave the church two ordinances or sacraments, holy acts, and those are communion and baptism. And each of these things, you know, we're doing something physical that has a spiritual uh, substance or implication to it. Right? So with baptism, it's that idea of washing with water, but it's the idea of death and, and rebirth. That's what it's uh, meaning. Now with communion, what it is is you know you have the, the bread. Jesus took the bread on the you know, last supper, so on the Passover meal the night before he was betrayed, and he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, take and eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. And then he told them, do this in remembrance of me. And as often as you do it, you proclaim my death until I come again. So that's the, the bread. It represents his body broken for us. And the cup, the, the, the wine, he said, take drink. This is um, my blood shed for you in which is the new covenant, the new covenant in my blood. And so as we take the body of Christ, as we um, drink the blood of Christ in these elements. What it is about is we're remembering, and it's I guess you could say it's a tangible way. This is something I always say to my congregation. It's a tangible way for us to receive. Um, it's a way for us to receive what uh, Jesus has done for us. It's a way for us to receive the grace of God in a tangible way and declare, as I take these elements, I am receiving the gospel. I'm receiving what Jesus did for me, his body broken for me, his blood shed for me for the forgiveness of my sins and to give me new life and a relationship with God. And so you ask, how often should a Christian do it? Jesus said to do it regularly, um, often, but it doesn't say how often. So some churches do it once a month, at our church in Longmont, we do it every week and because for us, we think it's a very important part of recentering ourselves on the gospel. Um, but I, I don't think that, you know, it often is, uh, I guess, a relative term. So how often is not prescribed in the Bible, but I, I think weekly is good. If you're going to do it monthly, I think that's good. It just should be done with regularity. Is it okay for a Christian to have communion alone? Uh, I don't think so. I think the whole idea, even that word communion that we use, it talks about union. And it's that idea we have union with God and we have union with each other. And so I believe this is something that's meant to be done in community um, with other believers. So thanks for your question and, and God bless you. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. Let's go to Lamont. 
uh, looks like in Longmont, Colorado. Hi, Lamont. Yeah, I'm just traveling through. <laughs> oh, are you? Okay. Yeah, I'm retired Air Force. I'm ex-Army. I retired in uh, Corpus Christi, Texas. I just wanted to encourage you and thank you for being on the air. I've preached the gospel around the world. Uh, I've been in Mindanao, the southern Philippines, with the Muslims, uh, radicals. And uh, I've preached to them to come home to the true gospel, the, the Pentateuch, the Torah. That's where their roots are. And once they start doing that and seeing the Christ that came out of that, then they start to even they start to question what they've learned all their life. Hmm. The Torah, the Torah. Well, let me let me ask you uh, real quick, Lamont. The Bible. Uh, yeah, Lamont. Let me ask you, do you. So, do you have a question or prayer request that we can pray for you for? Well, I just pray for the world right now with all everything that's on the internet, all the voices to listen to. You really have to tune in. Really have to turn into Christ. Amen. Hey, thank yeah. you for the encouragement. I appreciate it. And God bless you. I hope you have safe travels. And uh, welcome Amen. to Longmont. All right. All right. God bless you. <laughs> Bye-bye. You're God. listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. We've got about nine minutes left in the show. And lots of text messages coming in about our prior discussion about evil. So let's look at some of those. But we'd love to hear from you. We give priority to callers. So if you would like to call in, we've got nine minutes left. All open lines right now. The number to call is 303-690-3000. Or text us, 720-336-0897. We have one follow-up question from our discussion about evil earlier. And that is, uh, it's a good one. Check this out. This person asks, how could a small child being raped, for example, and or brutally murdered ever be considered good or for someone's good? Don't uh, bad things happen sometimes just because we live in a fallen world. And my answer to that is, yes, you're absolutely right. So that was kind of my point is that earlier it says, you know, God is able to use all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. But here's the thing. Um, that again, number one, that doesn't mean that all things are good. And it really doesn't mean this. So some people said, oh, you know, if you just look at things from a different perspective, you'll see that all things are actually good. You know, if you just change the way you look at them. Like uh, I heard somebody say this the other day. They said something like um, they see they had seen a, a poster somewhere that said enemies are just friends who you don't understand. Well, that's might be true in some cases, but in some cases, they're actually enemies. Like I mean, a previous caller just now, Lamont, talking about, um, you know, people who who are radically opposed to Christianity or, or who are radical, you know, terrorists or whatever they might be. Yes. Yeah, so some people are actually enemies. And, and in the same vein, some things are actually just plain bad, period. Right. Like not everything has a silver lining. And I think that actually this is what makes Christianity more honest and the, and the Bible more honest than any other philosophy in the world. Because here's what it says. It says that some things are just bad, period. And in fact, they're so bad that Jesus, God himself, came into this world in order to end them. And in order to end them, he himself had to suffer bad. Does that, that make sense? That um, we're saying that some things are actually bad. Now, now, if you oppose that with other philosophies and belief systems, Eastern religion says that when bad things happen, bad things don't actually exist because the, the world as we see it doesn't actually exist. And so, therefore, you know, nothing bad really happens because the world we see, we're, we're like living in the matrix. None of this is actually real. In other words, that minimizes suffering. Here's another one. Um, 
Hindu philosophy and the idea of karma. It says that bad things that happen, in a way, are deserved. And so, you know, if you get raped, if you get murdered, um, you deserved that. You must have done something in a previous life or uh, something like that. And, and it's all the whole system of karma and, and somehow you deserved it. Christianity doesn't say that. Christianity never says that you deserved the bad things that happened to you. It says that we deserve God's judgment for our sins, but we don't deserve to be treated badly by other people, for example. And so Christianity has the integrity, we call it intellectual integrity, to acknowledge that some things are just bad because we live in a fallen world. But here's the good news, is that God is able and God is willing and desires to use even the bad things, even the evil in this world, even for our good. And that we take solace in knowing that and we take encouragement from knowing that. So I, thanks for that question. Very good question. Let's go to Aaron in Denver, Colorado on line one. Hey, Aaron, welcome to the program. Hey, how are you? Doing great. Um, I have a question and a uh, prayer request. My question, first of all, is uh, whether or not angels can read the thoughts of men. Are they allowed to do that, or do they have that ability? Mm -hmm. um, and, so, uh, go ahead. Keep go ahead. And uh, my prayer request is for um, a friend of mine uh, who deals with uh, chronic migraines, um, they're pretty rehabilitating to her. She's had them since a child. Um, the doctors can't figure out what exactly the problem is. Uh, she's done lots of testing and, and whatnot. So I was just uh, asking for a prayer request on her end for so, some sort of healing or the doctors can find a solution to the problem and so did, forth. Did you say her name is Laura? Olivia. 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 Okay. Yes, sir. Yeah. Uh, so your first question, can angels read the thoughts of men? I don't believe so. I could be yeah. convinced otherwise if you show me in the scriptures. But as far as just, you know, thinking off the top of my head right now and trying to think through what I know of the Bible, I don't uh, think of any occasion in which that's the case. But like I said, I'm open to to being shown differently. So if uh, anyone yeah. wants to call or text in with some kind of scripture verse, I'd be happy to, to talk about them, talk about it with them. And... Um, and and so your other question was, can we pray for Olivia? So let's pray for Olivia. Heavenly Father, we yes, pray sir. for uh, Olivia and uh, this issue with the migraines. Lord, we pray that you would take these away. And whatever's the root cause of them, Lord, we ask for healing. We ask for restoration. We ask for her to be well. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you very much. <clears throat> you bet. You bet. God bless you. Thank you. All right, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air. Today we've got four minutes left. Let's go to Gabriel in Aurora, Colorado. Hey, Gabriel, welcome to the program. Um, excuse me? Hi, welcome to the program. Uh, hi. What's up? Um, I'd like to ask for a prayer request. Yeah. Um, so my dad, he has a really bad back, mm. and he... He um he works for Homeland Security safety and he he's like his back is in pain and so I just hope that he could uh, get better and well and I just hope that at his job it he'll be very safe and nothing will happen to him. Yeah, absolutely. Let's pray for your dad. Father, we pray for Gabriel's dad, and uh, thank you for the job that he does and just the way that he serves other people 
in his work. And Lord, we pray that you would strengthen his back. We pray that you'd bring healing to the muscles and tendons, ligaments, and whatever uh, that is wrong with his dad's back and causing him pain. Lord, we pray for his safety. And we pray for him to have a strong back and for him his pain to be taken away. Thank you for Gabriel and just a, a, a young person who cares about his dad so much and wants to pray for him. I pray you be with Gabriel and bless him. Help him to grow up and walk with you for all the days of his life, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless Amen. you, Gabriel. Thanks for calling in. Thank you. All right, bye-bye. You too. You're listening bye. to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. We're coming up right at the end of our show, so we're going to touch on some of these prayer requests, and that's what we'll finish with. So we've got a prayer request from someone who says, My six-year-old died from cancer. I had a bench on her grave for visiting, and someone stole the bench. Could you play, pray for my heart not to get hard towards people and that their heart would be moved to return it? Yeah, absolutely. Let's pray for that. Heavenly Father, we pray for this texture and, and uh, just, uh, Lord, we pray for healing for their heart over the loss of their child. And, uh, Lord, we also pray that uh, as this bench has now been taken away, we know it's just an earthly thing, Lord. We know that it's just temporary, but it was meaningful to this person. So, Lord, I ask that it would be returned and uh, and that you'd move on that person's heart to bring it back. And I also pray for this texture. I thank you for this person's heart. It says, I don't want to become bitter. So, Lord, I pray that they would forgive just as you've forgiven them, even without this person maybe apologizing. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to Calvary Live. My name is Pastor Nick Katie. I'll be with you again later this week. And tune in every day, 4 to 5 p.m. for Calvary Live. God bless you and have a great evening. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's word.